And now for a look at all things sports with two average sportsmen themselves. It's the Sporting Hacks with Hilly and Jules. Hello and welcome to another edition of Sporting Hacks, week number five, season number two. Great to have your company. And we are looking at, uh, well, round number three starting this weekend in the AFL. Great to have footy back. And I know one fellow who's up and about at the moment with his beloved Tigers just purring along nice at the moment. I speak of Jules Claridge. Jules, welcome to another episode, mate. And uh, your Tiger boys just going nicely after the first two rounds. Yeah, thanks, Hilly. Always good to be here. And how good is it to have footy back? Obviously, we're fortnightly episodes now, so we haven't spoken about the footy yet. But how good are the crowds? I'm just... It's just great to see footy back and the roar when there's a goal and, and when there's a tackle laid, you know. And, um, yeah, look, the Tigers have been okay. They've just sort of scraped past a few teams. But, um, yeah, good start, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right about having crowds back. Like, I think the great announcement last week on the Thursday to have, you know, three-quarter um, stadiums, especially in Victoria... Uh, was great with Collingwood and Carlton Thursday week ago. Then the Cats in Brisbane, you know, they had 22,000 there. And then obviously the crowds over the weekend in Melbourne. It was just great. Um, bit of a COVID scare during the week. Obviously, Brisbane's back in lockdown. Gold Coast is in a bit of strife. Sydney could be a bit of a shaky one as well. So um, a bit of rescheduling going on with, uh, with the draw to ensure that uh, we get some footy played. So fingers crossed, Melbourne. We just keep on doing what we're doing in Victoria. And we get to have crowds staying there for a little while and um, yeah, we all get to enjoy the footy. Well, I know you went to the Cats and Lions, Hilly, so um, I'm sure you would have loved the crowd being back. But yeah, the, I, I was planning on going to Gold Coast on Saturday, which is now not going to happen. So uh, a bit unfortunate there. But was it? I'm sure it was exciting to have the crowds back, wasn't it, big fella? Yeah, loved it, mate. And you know what I'm like at the footy, I'm... Uh, a bit of a mental case of the footy. I just love getting up and about and yelling out and celebrating goals and so forth. But, no, it was terrific. It really, really was. And even though you know, the capacity belongs 40,000 or 38,000 or whatever it is, even the 20,000 crowd still felt like there's a fair bit um, in there. And, obviously, Brisbane probably didn't have as many supporters there. But, geez, when they, um, they sort of got a run in on that last quarter, they were certainly vocal as well. Um, but it was just great, you know, good to get amongst it again. But the only thing was a pain in the backside. And I guess, you know, the only, it's you know, very minor. But, you know, obviously, each section you're in at the ground, I dare say the G's the same and marble and so forth, that you only sort of sectioned off to your area. So, like, usually I would go to another food stand to where we usually sit at the ground, um, but weren't able to access that and so forth. But, you know, that's a minor part of the detail. It's just good to be back and, and watching footy. All right, mate, we'll get on to our agenda. And just for the listeners out there, we're changing our first sort of segment, I suppose, a little bit, Hilly. And instead of talking about results and who did what and this and that, because you guys watch it and you know what's going on, we're going to talk about a team that's on the improve or impressing us and a team or a player that's under a bit of pressure for the coming week. So you kick us off, Hilly. Um, we might be in agreement with the first team but or player, but give us your... Um, Who's impressing you at this stage? I'm liking the Bulldogs at the moment, Jules. Um, love the way their midfield group's going. And obviously, they've got a lot of depth in there. And it was always going to be an interesting 
story uh, to see how they would gel because there's a lot of a lot can go through there. Um, you know, is Dunkley going to get the amount of minutes that he'd love to play in the midfield? Obviously, you know, that talk about going to Essendon in the preseason. Trelaw coming in, you know, he's a really good, strong addition to their midfield group. But then you've already got the likes of the Bont, Hunter, McRae, Libertore. You know, they run real deep. Um, but I'm loving the way they're playing their foot at the moment. They're very fast. They're using football well. Their foot skills are absolutely sensational, uh, especially forward and centre. Got some really good deliveries um, going into their key forwards. Norton's been you know, exciting. Um, I like some of their young kids. Vandermeer, geez, he's got pace to burn. I really like the way he goes about it. He was pretty influential in that last little bit on Saturday, on Sunday in that game against West Coast. Just his pace and able to run out the game was pretty impressive. I still have a few hesitations with their back line. I'm still not comfortable with their back line. You know, Alex Keith, honourable. Um, I still like an, another key back down there. But from what I've seen the first two weeks and the players have been able to bring in, you know, McNeil's been a, has played the first two games, a draft pick from last season. I just like the way the Bulldogs are playing their footy at the moment. Um, they're good to watch. They're exciting to watch. And, gee, uh, if they can keep them all together and injury-free, geez, I reckon they're a, um, you know, they're going to be a dangerous side for the next few years. Yeah, and they're back to their handballing best out of trouble, which was uh, what they did in 2016. So, but you're right about the back line. They'll get Eastern Wood and Crozier back in the next few weeks, which will help out. But they still probably need that one key back. So, yeah, you're spot on there. And definitely a side to look out for and for the top four and, and come September. I know our friend Darcy, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago, he'd be, uh, he'd be up and about at the moment with his beloved Bulldogs. But they're just exciting and... Yeah, I sort of think they're at that right age group now. You know, McRae's and Libertores, you know, they're in that mid twenties. They're probably in the twilight of their careers now, or you know, in the uh, you know the real strong time of their careers where they can really set the standard, um, especially in the AFL. And yeah, I like the way they're going at the moment. Yeah, spot on, mate. And um, well, I'll I'll give you my team, but I'm I'm going to name you a few players from this team, and one of our great mates too follows this team, and. You can't go past the Swannies. Geez, they're impressive to watch. Errol Goulding, Logan McDonald, and Braden Campbell off halfback. I tell you what, watch out for the Swans over the next three or four years because they, they may be the next powerhouse. I love watching them play footy. They're quick. They're skillful. They've got forwards. They've got defenders. They've got a few ageing midfielders, but there's a few coming through. So I tell you what, the Swannies are very likeable and... I'm hoping, now that I'm not going to the Gold Coast, that I can go watch the Tigers and Swans. And I'm just going to look forward to a cracking game. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And um, yeah, I've been impressed with the Swans. I haven't watched any of their games, but I have sort of looked at highlights. And you could probably throw in uh, Chad Warner as another player who's pretty exciting. Haven't they been lucky with the academies, though? Because obviously they got Goulden and Campbell in that academy. Two probably players that could have gone top three, no doubt. And they were high in the draft anyway with the bidding and so forth. But every other club would have loved to have got their hands on, on Gordon and Campbell especially. So they've been pretty lucky they've been able to get those academy picks. But good luck to them. It's their academy and uh, they're entitled to them, which is fantastic. But I like Logan McDonald. You know, how long's the buds the buds are going to be around for? We don't know. He's, he seems to be thinking he might go beyond this year. I think look, this is the last year of his nine-year contract. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it could be next year, end of next year, maybe. Maybe next year. 
But even nevertheless, you know, Logan McDonald, if they can get some real good games into him, um, he's going to be an exciting forward in the years to come. So, no, nah, the Swannies have been, been super. Yeah, and as I said, they're just exciting to watch. You, they're a team you, you just want to sit down and watch, watch them play footy or go to the game and watch, you know, your buddies or the, your Logan McDonalds that are up and coming. So, yeah, as I said, one to watch. But we'll move on, mate. Give us, a, uh, give us your team or it could be a player or a coach that is under the microscope at the moment already. Well, GWS for mine, mate. Uh, I've watched the game against Fremantle. I usually watch the Sunday night games um, whilst I'm doing a little bit of preparation for work for the next day. And uh, I just, as a pure football lover, their list is so deep with talent, even though they've lost Cameron and a few of the others in the preseason, Caldwell and so forth, they still have a really strong list of talent. They just can't play team footy. It is frustrating to watch. They just their urgency, their decision making was just absolutely poor last week. And I actually had to turn it off at three quarter time. I just I couldn't watch any more of it. I was just so disappointed with a side that's got so many great draft picks, so many quality players who've been around for a long time. Um, their football is just poor at the moment, and I just can't see them bouncing back even this week. I think they've got the demons this week and. As much as I hate to say it, I, I just can't see him beating the Demons at the moment as well, who are going along okay. No, you're spot on there, Hilly. And I think they need a big change. And I think they need a new coach. Now, Leon Cameron might be a good coach. I don't know. Um, it, it may not be his fault, but a change is as good as, as, good as a holiday. Because as you said, they've got the players there. Their forward line's probably battling. Uh, Himmelberg probably isn't up to it to take the... Best defender, but as you said, their midfield's got enough there um, and they should be better than what they are. So possibly a change of coach might kick them into gear. I don't know, but uh, that's just my thoughts. Admittedly, you know, they're losing Lockie Whitfield, who's a, a super player. There's no doubt about that. But, um, geez, I reckon there's going to be some tough decisions at selection this week. Like, you know, looking at that documentary in the off-season where Cameron just absolutely went through a couple of their leaders, Cornelio, one of those, uh, the, the leaders are just not standing up and, and being counted and leading from the front. So I'm going to be watching with a very close eye on just who gets, uh, you know, maybe the, the kick of the butt this week and, uh, and asks to go play you know, seconds because I reckon there might be a few under the microscope. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say GWS too, mate, but we'll quickly touch on um, probably Carlton's the next one. And I I tipped Carlton two weeks ago in our last podcast to sort of go up the ladder a bit, but they were pretty good against the Tigers, but they do that every year. And then they were just no effort against the Pies, lacked intensity. You know, it looked like the Carlton of old. And I reckon their supporters would be really disappointed with their round two effort. So I think David Teague is probably under the the most pressure over the next few weeks. Yeah, couldn't agree more, mate. Um, I thought their game against you guys on the Thursday night was pretty good. They, you know, they're certainly not in Richmond's uh, eliteness of, uh, of games at the moment, but they, were, they pushed you guys to you know, a fair level, and um, I thought they were pretty good. Last week, really poor. As you said, they went back to their old ways and their old game style, which just doesn't, doesn't, um, doesn't bode well for them. You know, now they've lost a couple of players due to injury. I think Zach Fisher's out injured. I think Jack Martin's also going to be out injured for a little bit of time as well. So, um, yeah, 
Carl's a real interesting one. You know, this week, I'm not sure who they've got this week. Do you know who they've got this week? Fremantle. So, and, you know, Fremantle going okay. It's going to be in Melbourne. So, I tell you what, this is a, this is a season-defining game for them, really, to be quite honest. If they want to be playing some sort of uh, late September football, you know, this is one they've got to definitely win and definitely win well. Like, their playing list is, you know, on paper, looks okay. I think it looks okay. You know, Mackay starting to really establish himself as a forward. They've gone out and recruited Sard and Williams to give them some extra drive, you know, forward of centre and so forth. So um, it's just a matter of putting it all together. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they they mix this well this week and who comes in and how they go against the Dockers. Yeah, and if they bring no intensity, like I said, the Frio youngsters uh, are just going to overrun them with their pace and their skills and. Frio got some good youngsters. So, yep, Teague and Carlton are probably on notice this week. And we'll keep moving on, Healy. And we're just going to touch on a few talking points and a, and a couple of little things. But you've got to try and do your best here to be as unbiased as you can because a lot of it does surround your beloved cats. But let's... I will, I will cop it no matter what. So, <laughs> it, won't, it won't matter. Well, let's... Let's talk more about probably not Dangerfield's three weeks, but Sam Reed's just gotten two weeks. And I think Danger can probably feel a bit hard done by from that because Danger's got graded as severe, obviously, because he concussed Kelly, whereas Reed's was only high, hence the two weeks. Now, I can't understand that. Well, did five come off concussed? Yes. He wasn't, I guess, in the same concussion as Kelly, who had to get taken off on a stretcher and looked a little bit worse. But concussed to me is concussed. There's no difference between concussions. So, okay, so that both should have been probably marked at the same. Like, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. I think, I think he should have got the same as Danger. To be honest with you, um, he was off the ball, and you know, obviously his play didn't have the ball for starters. So. Um, yeah, I just it's just inconsistent. It's hard to know what's going to happen at the tribunal. And I look at it this way, and you may disagree, but you know, I thought Rowan's uh, what he did to Lockie Neal probably definitely not necessary and didn't need to do it, but got him high on the shoulder. There's no from the vision I saw, and this is not. I don't think I'm being biased, and you might hopefully you agree as well. I didn't feel that he got him in the head at one bit. It's two weeks for that doesn't concuss him or anything like that, and yet Sam Ray gets two weeks for almost knocking out five. Yeah, um, I don't know. The AFL is interesting because with the Rowan one, it's all about the look, isn't it? He, he probably got him up a, up a shoulder, lucky to miss the jaw, but, and I think it's the action that they're suspending there. And apparently yeah. there was some, something on the Lions medical report that didn't help Rowan. Now, I don't know what that was because... Lockie seems fine from all, from all reports. Um, but you are right in, in what you say in terms of Rowan's is two weeks and Sam Reed's is two weeks. Now, back, back to what you're saying about concussion, I, I totally agree as well. Like, Fife's not playing this week, so, you know, he's clearly concussed. So I don't, I don't know how that can be graded as high. So he should have got three weeks as well. I know you probably didn't necessarily agree with Danger getting three weeks, but I don't know if you've come around now because oh, of the AFL listen, cracking down. No, listen, I, I, I purely understand 
that you know we need to the, the bump is dead. There's no doubt about it. And at the end of the day, yeah, he probably should have tackled. But we look at it by a slow by slow bit of vision. Whereas you know, Danger's not worrying about that bit by bit. He's just going at it. And I guess his first instinct was to bump. Okay, he got he's got penalised for it. He's done the wrong thing. He's knocked out Kelly. And you know, with the way the game's going, the way we look at concussion, yep, he had to get rubbed out. There's no doubt about it. But had he not accidentally collided heads with him, I don't think we'd be having this discussion. He would have gave him a, a knock and he wouldn't have been knocked out and whatever. So, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. Listen, at the end of the day, yep, the way we're looking at it as it, as it is now, we, we don't want concussion. The bump's more or less dead. We've got to get away from the bump. Um, so, yep, takes his penalty and, and we move on. But that's the precedent now. So it's got to be consistent. Sam yeah. Reid, the bloke who we uh, fight who we hit him and shouldered, nowhere near the ball. Whereas Danger was actually attacking the bloke with the ball. Whether that matters or not, I don't know. But yeah, he gets two weeks and the concussion's concussion. Whether it's high level concussion, low level concussion, Ife's going to miss, Kelly's missed. We need to have some consistency. Yeah, I think AFL's missed a trick here. Just give him three weeks because because uh, Frio can go to... I'm um, sorry, Giants can go to the tribunal anyway if they want to challenge the three weeks. So now I hope it doesn't happen throughout the year that we have these inconsistencies. But anyway, we could talk about this all day, Hilly, and we'll move on. And I was going to... I want to touch on one more thing that was in your game. <laughs> yeah. And I think you know... I, think oh, you know I don't know what it is. And I'm going to spin this around. For you, so let's put Geelong are down by a point, and they have tackled Brisbane on the line. Is that a free kick? Oh, listen, it was a free kick. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, you look at, like watching it live. I didn't take any notice. Yeah, you know, not that I took notice. I just wasn't in the view to see whether he got the handball or not. You watch the TV replay. There's no doubt it's a free kick. Okay, the umpires missed it. That's a boo boo. Did it cost Brisbane? It did in that moment, but but that wasn't the only thing that cost Brisbane at times as well. Hipwood, second quarter, ran into a goal 25 metres out, kicked it behind. Okay, so there's a lot of, we can reflect on that being a major point that could have given Brisbane the win, but they had other opportunities as well to get themselves in that position. Hipwood missed a couple of easy goals, Danaher missed a couple straight in front. So, yeah, that no doubt that is a that was a big decision and could have decided the game. But does, yeah, a lot of people are saying Brisbane robbed. Yeah, they probably robbed at that stage. But in saying that, there was a lot of other opportunities that Brisbane stuffed up as well that could have given them in a better position to win the game as well. Yeah, no, fully understand that, Hilly. Um, and, but at the end of the day, and this, is, this is my Geelong hat on as well. They did get <laughs> a pretty good run with the umpires. They kicked five goals from inside fifty from free kicks, which. Yeah, maybe one or two were there, but they did get well looked after by the umpires. But to answer your question, the Blitzarves was a free kick and should have been paid to Zach Bailey. Yeah, no, nah, um, I agree. The umpires were pretty poor all night. Um, I mean, it's just one of those things that, you know, there's 20 seconds to go and the umpires obviously just missed a free kick or those 50-50s didn't go Brisbane's way. Now, I, I agree with you that Brisbane had other chances, but... At the end of the day, it literally does come down to that one decision and, and it went the cat's way. So that's, that's footy and that's what happens. And 
Uh, yeah, we move on. Uh, we do. I was looking at a thing for those people that think that cats get looked after by the umpires. Just have a look at this week's um, stats of the first two rounds of umpire differential for free kicks and so forth. Geelong are minus 16 free kicks. So the, the boys in green or white or yellow, whatever they wear each week, haven't been kind to us cat supporters in the first two rounds. So just, uh, just wear that one for uh, some of the Geelong haters that listen to this program. <laughs> so, so it mustn't be ducking yet. So... We've had we've cracking games in the first two weeks And as we said at the start How good is it to have footy back? Uh, I'm just loving it it's, And I'm loving the Thursday nights as well My wife feels like a footy widow And I no doubt that your partner does as well But Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday I uh, just love it It's good to have it back yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, mate, I'm looking forward to this guest we've got coming up because I don't want to say it's one for the oldies because he's not that old, but um, hopefully it's one that all age groups can enjoy. Some ripping stories in here, so really looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait as well, mate. And the best thing is, too, this is when footy was footy. You know, this is when we grew up in the 90s. This fella played a fair bit of footy in this time. And I'll tell you what, uh, some cracking stories about few of the opponents he had to face on a weekly basis. So let's catch up with our interview, which recorded a little bit earlier this week. I'm really excited about our special guest on the Sporting Hacks this week. This fella played 60 games with Fitzroy. We're going back down memory lane because uh, footy was footy back in those mid-90s. Now, we speak of Ablett and Kernahan and Lockett and Dunstall. And our special guest who, uh, who played 60 games with the Lions had an opportunity to play on all those gun forwards many, many years ago. And now he's, uh, well, he's at summer's care. Now that's where I uh, got to... Uh, Meet this uh, individual, and I'm looking forward to having him on the Sporting Hacks this week. And I'll speak none other than Simon Hawking. Hawk, uh, thanks for joining us, mate. It's great to have your company on the Sporting Hacks. Trent, uh, Jules, pleased to be with you. Yeah, very good. I, I think after that introduction where you mentioned those great names, so probably your listeners will be very excited to see who it was. And then you've and then you've just dropped a bomb. You know, you've just sort of you've you've come out with a uh, you know a, a sort of. Um, a third tier uh, fullback from, from those days, but um, I, 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 um, I, I have some experience with some of those great names, so um, yeah, I might be able to share some experiences from from my side, mate. Uh, well, it's been I think it's about, been about twenty five years. I think it was nineteen ninety six was the last uh, time that Fitzroy played in the AFL. Tell us some of the uh, you know the memories of that last year at Fitzroy, because obviously, it would no doubt would have been a tough year. I was just doing some readings today and I think it was about July of that year that you found out that you were going to amalgamate with the Brisbane Lions and um, yeah, it would have been a pretty tough thing not knowing what next year was going to look like for the players that were playing in that 96 season. Yeah, well 96, uh, it was a whole, a whole lot of um, memories I suppose and different emotions are attached to that year for me because um, the club was on its last legs. We'd been pretty much dying a slow death for a long time. 
most of our good players had, had gone to other other sides, and there was just a bit of inevitability about it. Really, um, the AFL had stamped our cards; they turned their back on us, and they were determined to get rid of us. And um, unfortunately, on the field, with everything going on around uh, off field, combined with us not having a strong playing list. On field, we just were, we were we were barely competitive, and then uh, the ultimate insult that we couldn't even play our last game in Melbourne. So um, the reality was that uh, I thought, well, this is um, the business of football as it was turning into, uh, and that everyone associated with the place was was very disappointed in what had happened but we'll just move on and um and i i, I think I, I can speak for others as well that the the emotional toll wasn't something we realized until that last game was over it was actually a very uh, emotional um instant when i suppose it occurred to us that that last game was over and that the club fitzroy as we knew uh, as we knew it was gone and as much and as they so, yeah, I believe the last game was interstate. Is that correct? And and that you weren't real happy about playing interstate for, especially the last game for Fitzroy. Yeah, well, in these days now of COVID and 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 the AFL making decisions on the fly and changing games and having the capacity to do that, I, I would argue they could have done that back then, knowing so many weeks out that uh, the fixture was set and that they only need to look ahead that Fitzroy was playing its last game in Perth and they did nothing about it. So. We had a big send-off at the MCG in terms of Fitzroy supporters being able to come more conveniently to Melbourne rather than jump on a plane to Perth, which some did, of course. But um, I wouldn't have thought it would be too difficult to say, well, this original club is coming to their last game, let's do everything we can and change the fixture to have it in Melbourne. So I, I thought that was a real disgrace. Everyone in the club thought the same. Uh, the Dockers were great for to us. They, they filled the void and probably behaved the way the AFL should have behaved um, in terms of giving some sort of send-off to Fitzroy. Um, I think there's a reference to Fitzroy on their banner and the Guard of Honour for the players and they, they did what, what they could. Um, but the AFL did nothing, and it was not good enough. Hawk, you spoke about just before about you know Fitzroy were dying a slow death. You were there, I think your first season was '93, where you made your debut. What was the, I guess, your four seasons like at Fitzroy, and you know was it really struggled times from back then as well? Yeah, it was. Growing up, uh, I was a pretty keen Geelong supporter, and. I suppose as a supporter, you just you, you might read the newspapers. I grew up as a kid watching the, the big league replay on Saturday night and following the footy that way and going to a game now and then. Uh, and that's pretty much all I knew of footy, um, just being a, a supporter from a distance. You, you, you never really understand the, the inner workings of a club until you get in there. And um, I went to Fitzroy as part of the old zoning rules, living out in their metro region, out in Templestowe. And... Um, once I got down there, I thought, okay, well, this is what this this, this is how it is. This, this is what 
AFL footy's like. And I knew Fitzroy hadn't been a strong club. I knew there'd been there'd been a number of years where they were up for discussions for merging, relocation, um, rattling the tins to try and make money. So I, I, and I knew that they'd moved around, been homeless for a number of years, had uh, home games out of Victoria Park, uh, Princess Park before that, uh, the Junction Oval even before that, then back to Princess Park when I first got there. Out to the Witten Oval, so I knew I knew that it had been an itinerant club and wasn't a very wealthy club. But um, I, I also knew that, that I think four or five years before I got there, they were a very strong club on the field and and, and playing finals with the, the great era of those players, Bernie Quinlan and um, all those players uh, that had played in those days and through eighty. Uh, 85, 86, even 87. I went down there in 91 and we had um, the makings, the, probably the next wave, the makings of a, of a pretty good side. Uh, so when I went down there, I, I thought things looked fairly promising and um, if, if, if the club could stay financial enough, we may have been going in the right direction. 93, certainly we had a really good side developing, uh, we won ten games, and um, but that was the peak of it, as it turned out, because uh, most of our good players either went that year, the end of '93, or the next year into '94, and then it sort of started to spiral from there, from there on to the end of '96. But uh, yeah, going in there initially, when I first went down there, the facilities weren't great, um, and as I said, we were homeless, but. Um, there was a, a good, uh, really tight band of Fitzroy people, Fitzroy supporters, uh, which was only a relatively small group, I suppose, compared to Carlton and Collingwood, the other clubs that were geographically so close. So um, what what might have appeared to have a little bit of promise um, it disappeared pretty quickly over those first few years. And on a, on a personal note, Hawk, um, you had some great games at your time at Fitzroy. Uh, take us back to a game, I believe you played on a very good forward and, and you got the rising star that weekend. Do you want to talk us through that game and who you played on? And, and I think you kept this, this, this star of the game goalless. Uh, well, I, yeah, that gave me the reminder at the end there. Um, I, I was sort of struggling <laughs> to remember that game, uh, which one was the rising star for a moment. Yeah, well, uh, I went into fullback. Um, Alistair Lynch, previously to, to me, debuting was a bit of a pinch hitter both ends of the ground. He'd, he'd be fullback, uh, for example, when, uh, when we were playing uh, Tony Lockett um, and he'd be full forward. Uh, so we relied on him in, in other games. So we relied on him a lot. And then when I came into fullback, um, as I said, the makings of a pretty good team in 93. Uh, and then... That game you're referring to was Hawthorne early, mid-94, I think. And um, Jason Dunstall uh, and Hawthorne were still very good. Um, Hawthorne were probably coming to the end of that great era, but they were still very good. Um, And I think Dunstall had had a big day the week before. So Robert Shaw said um, to us at training, we need to do something to try and 
make that not happen to us. I think he played Richmond the week before and had a bit of a day out, if, if, I, if I'm right. I'm not 100%, but I think so. I reckon he kicked 17 that day, Hawk. I reckon against the week before he kicked 17 against Richmond. I reckon that was down yeah. Tassie. Oh, in Tassie, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, he'd, he'd been in pretty good form. And so um, Robert Shaw, which, which I think was, from memory, fairly unusual to, to go into something so specific. Um, he, he was quite a tactical coach. But, uh, yeah, he worked on this plan through the week. Uh, and uh, I think the Thursday night, which was our final training session, he said, right, you're going to be the one in that spot in front of Dunstall. And um, I was just amazed that he really sort of picked me to do that job. And I thought, okay, well, now um, I know at least what I'm doing, what I'm, what's expected of me. Uh, and I was reasonably comfortable because I knew Dunstall was a very clean player. I, I knew his strength. He was he's very strong, very fast on the lead, very accurate kick, great hands, all those sorts of things that we all knew as as spectators just watching him. But I also knew he was a fair player. So I thought, well, if I'm going to cop it, as in having him uh, or, or a pack sort of charging up behind me, it won't, it won't be anything um, dirty or uh, uh, unfair in any way. If, if, if the same uh, situation had been put in place before playing Ablett or um, Lockett, uh, I might have thought twice. But um, I, I relaxed a bit with Dunstall. So... Yeah, my job was actually fairly simple. Mark Zanotti had the job right next to him, shoulder to shoulder as an opponent. And I, I um, thought, well, this is great. I, I, I've been given licence by the coach to not worry about anyone else. I don't have to worry about a direct opponent. My job is just to simply um, stay out in front, try and pick off the passes that come in and try and cut off Dunstall's lead and leads. And um, he let me off the hook. This story wouldn't be anywhere near as good if, if about five minutes into the game he actually kicked a goal rather than kick a point when I was still getting my register out at Waverley, trying to work out, you know, the dimensions of the place. Uh, so, yeah, the first one, the coach, Robert Shaw, might have thought about regretting his decision and putting someone else in there because I misjudged the ball coming in. I remember and it going over my head and, and Dunstall took the mark. Um, and then he did the right thing by, by all of us and kicked a point, and that was pretty much the last chance we gave him. So it worked out okay, and... Um, we ended up winning too, which was good. Um, so not only stopping him, but us as a team playing quite well. And, uh, yeah, it was an unexpected win out of Waverley for us, one of only four for the year. So that was good. Hey, Jules, I asked Hawk when I, uh, I first met Hawk um, back in February just about some of those key forwards that he played on and who was the hardest he played on. And his answer was quite surprising. I said, obviously, you know, you played against Modra, Ablett, Dunstall, Lockett. And I thought the person that would have been the hardest player might have come out of that four. But, Hawk, who was the hardest player that you uh, that you come up against? Did I, did I mention to you a bloke from Sydney? No, no, no. You talked about the guy from Carlton. Kernahan? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought for a moment I might have told you about Simon Minton Connell because um, he, he was the guy that I... Gave away most goals to, but um, yeah, Kernahan. Um, I I'd never really I'd played against Carlton before that, but I'd never lined up directly against Kernahan. And I'm six foot four, but when I went out to stand against Kernahan, I thought, "Geez, this guy's a 
He's a he's a beast, you know. I played I played against bigger blokes. Lockett's a physically bigger bloke. Ablett probably as well, but not um, you know. Ablett's maybe six one, I think. Uh, Lockett was probably about my height, six four, but I think Kernan was about six six. But the difficulty I had, and we played them out at Waverley again, which is you know gives the forwards all the space in the world that they want, which makes it harder for defenders. But um, I'd, I'd, I'd probably um, went in not as focused as I was otherwise because uh, I've been I'd, I'd sort of played reasonably well in the preceding weeks and I thought right this is I, I quickly learnt the lesson not to get ahead of yourself and get a little bit too overconfident but um, Carlton I, I remember saying to you now Carlton it wasn't just playing against Kernahan it was playing against and I'd never experienced this before a guy who could actually communicate to his sentiment or the midfielders, the moment he wanted the ball kicked, um, he'd, he'd do these sort of dummy leads and then he'd, he'd do a final lead and he'd, he'd, he'd tell them the moment he wanted them to kick it. And, of course, you've got uh, Craig Bradley and Greg Williams, um, Fraser Brown, these sort of guys coming out of the midfield. And um, they just put it exactly where he wanted it. And within within certainly the first quarter, I think he'd kick three. Um the second quarter, I didn't last much longer and I was sent to the other end of the ground, the longest run in football, going from fullback to full forward at Waverley with my tail between my legs. So, yeah, I learned a pretty good lesson that day that he's, he's um, first of all, he's a very good player, a very strong player and a strong mark, and um, but you should never get too far ahead of yourself. Um, I mentally probably didn't prepare as hard and uh, I paid the price, yeah. Do you sort of look back now, Hawk, and pinch yourself a little bit with the players that you did play on, as Hilly said, your Ablets and Dunstalls and Lockets, and you know maybe at the time you probably didn't quite realise, or you might have how special players they were. But do you pinch yourself now, looking back at just yeah, who exactly you were playing on? Yeah, I do, Jules. I think uh, looking back now, I think I played in the best era, and of course, as a kid growing up through the seventies and eighties, I thought that was a Great era as well, because you never know what footy's going to evolve into. You never know if it's going to get better or not. And the year I played in, I thought, well, maybe, maybe. I thought there's no, no one can be better than Gary Ablett. He's, to my mind, as a Geelong supporter, and then even now, looking back, there's no one comes close to him, uh, Gary Ablett Senior, as far as uh, his all-around football ability. I don't think anyone ever will. Um, Wayne Carey, I'd put second still on that list from people I've seen before. And those two guys played in the same era and I was, I was fortunate enough to play against them as well as some of the names you've already mentioned. So, yeah, to me, that was a great era. Uh, the 80s, as a kid growing up, I loved watching the 80s as well. I thought that was a great era. Because footy back in those days as well, uh, it was probably evolving a little bit to what we're getting now uh, when by the time I'd finished with the, the obsession with speed. But footy in those days was... You have an opponent, you've got a position, and you and your opponent compete all day. And that was what I grew up watching as a kid, uh, even outside of Geelong, some of those great contests, um, Ross Glendening and Peter Knights, you know, you knew when um, North Melbourne was playing Hawthorne or um, uh, Mike Fitzpatrick and um, uh, Peter um, Peter Moore at, at Collingwood, you know, the, those ruck contests. Um Gary Ablett against whichever fullback was unlucky enough to uh, play against him. I remember as a kid loving the days that Geelong was playing Richmond because he could absolutely back it in. If Ablett had a bad day, he'd kick 10. If he had a good day, he'd kick 14. You know, it was just, um, it was just 
great to watch. And so I didn't realise, I knew I was coming into a great era with those great players still playing. And as I said, you never really know what, um, what's what, what what's coming next. But uh, the game moved on in speed and the obsession with um, running and ultra fitness and um, guys built like Tony Lockett probably wouldn't even get drafted now. Uh, Greg Williams, another one. Slow, Paul Couch. Just not much foot speed. Uh, they probably would get drafted because they're just so clever, such great, brilliant football brains and such great skills in tight. But, um, yeah, it's a vastly different game now. So I'm, I'm very pleased to look back and, and uh, reflect on how fortunate I was to play in that era. Yeah, certainly. Hey, Hawk. You're one of eight players, and this is a great trivia question, and I'll tell you what, I love, I, I said to someone this the other day, and they couldn't do it. I've been pretty proud I can, I can name the eight. But you were one of the eight players that went to Brisbane as part of that amalgamation. That was a part of the deal. What was the yep. first season like with the Brisbane Lions? I know it probably, for a playing point of view, wasn't great for you because you had knee surgery and that knee injury, but just in a general feel, how did the amalgamation go for, I guess, for guys like yourself and Nick Carter and Bamford? Um, Jared Malloy and the like that got the chance to go to Brisbane. Yeah, it was great. Uh, we were well received. Uh, the, the Bears players were fantastic. You know, I think they were, some of them were disappointed that some close friends had to make way probably more than usual. And every year there'd be probably two or three turnovers, retirements, and this was probably an exception. And so some guys that possibly would have kept their place on the Bears list didn't to accommodate us. By the way, eight was only... Um, they could have taken more, so it was a sign. It was a sign of the quality that they only took eight. I think eight was the minimum, and that was the, that. That was all they they wanted to take. But um, yeah, from from our point of view, uh, like like I suppose anyone walking into a new club, you, you're meeting a whole lot of new people. So there's there's that uh, early stages of just familiarisation. But that that. That happens very quickly. You know, the walls come down very quickly and um, friendships form really quickly as well. Um, so uh, that that was um, really smooth. Uh, it, was a, it was a good change of scenery, um, I suppose, coming from Fitzroy the way it was to a club that was full of AFL support. Uh, the Gabba was a great facility. Uh, so that was a that was a real positive aspect as well. Um, personally, I was just on the fringes because, as you said, I just with the injuries and the rehab, I was I was I came to get used to this. I was in the inner sanctum, but I was a spectator largely. I was sort of um, just on that cycle of uh, injury and rehab, and then up there for us that were that were playing reserves or you know coming back from injury or we were sort of a mini draft pimped out to the local competition, which um, which was, wasn't great. I didn't enjoy that one bit. But, um, yeah, I think I think, I think all the boys would say they, they really enjoyed that first year. And, Hawk, you sort of touched on a bit this uh, before, but I want to get your thoughts on, on uh, the current state of the game with the new rules. And, and you were saying before you're six foot four and, Six foot four midfielders these days. So, do you watch a lot of footy? Do you enjoy it? Um, I agree with you that the era in the nineties, even though I was fairly young, 
We love seeing the full forwards kick goals. Do you enjoy the footy these days? I have to say I don't watch it, and I and the reason I don't watch much is because I I don't really enjoy the spectacle, and um, oh, yeah, I get I get frustrated with the amount of tinkering that goes on with the rules and the way the AFL can't remove themselves and just let the game advance by itself and the rules committee always making changes and um, uh, yeah there's just a number of aspects to it that um, frustrate me Um, and then like you know you referred to those the goal kickers there's 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 games where I don't don't know I haven't worked out the stats but at the end of a match, you might have eight goals beating six goals or something. So the scoring's not there. It's just, uh, it's just. I think it's got too fast um, and too fumbly, and it's almost regressed. I, I, I say, Trent, I don't know if I mentioned this to you when we were, when you were up here with us, but um, to me, it, it resembles under tens. Uh, what used to be under 10s when we played where as a little kid, all you wanted to do was get a touch of the footy. So if it was left up to us, every player on the ground would be down one end of the ground and it would be up to the umpire to say, right, I know you guys off you go back up, back up to your positions. And then they would actually pick out the two Ruckman just to, just for variety in in our case, the under 10s, but they're actually doing that at AFL level as well. The umpire, you know, the the Ruckman have to be nominated. I think I, I just can't, um, I just can't cope with that sort of thing, you know. Um, uh, I, I just I don't know what they're trying to do. Um, I don't know that they know what they're trying to do. I think they can't get out of their own way. They're tripping on their own feet, trying to work out what to do with the game. So, um, no, footy's not high on my weekend to-do list uh, as far as getting to a game or watching it on telly at the moment. The great Hawk, he's a, uh, he's a big Tampa Bay man, or, or Tom Brady man. He was pretty pumped when um, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. When I was up there with uh, with Hawk up at um, Summers Camp, hey, mate, we really do appreciate your time. It's been great to talk. And I know that I chewed your ear off uh, during that week up at Summers Camp and could have talked for a lot more. But... Usually at the end of our interviews with our guests, we ask them about a few players or people they've been associated with and we ask them for a comment or a sentence just to describe those those people. So I know that Jules and I have got a few names for you. And I love all the old cult figures of the AFL, you know, all the, the, you know, the names of uh, the bygone era that just everyone can remember for maybe a haircut or for their playing ways or whatever it may be. And I'm going to start with a bloke that you mentioned before that you worked in tandem with that game against... Uh, Hawthorne and Dunstall, the great Mark Zanotti. How would you describe uh, Zanotti in a sentence or a couple of words? Oh, a unique character. Uh, he was his own man, individual, entertaining, uh, quirky, but dependable. Great teammate, great character. Um, I'll I'll start with, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Hawk, but I think this bloke was a big factor in getting you to the Lions in Alistair Lynch. Yeah, Lynchy, um, just just a, a beast. Um, great player. Um, uh, just fantastic build, reliable, um, dependable. The guy that you um, sleep much better the night before knowing that he's in the team. Yeah, good, good fella. 
Yeah, great player. This fellow, I'm going to ask you, he would have been pretty young when he went to the Lions, but Michael Voss? Yes. Uh, I suppose he was established by then... Um, when did he win his Brownlow? Was it 96? 96, yeah. So he was certainly um, well-established, uh, super professional, um, hard, tough, um, dedicated and uh, great leader on the field. And you spoke a bit about the coach before, mate, but, um, and you said he was very tactical. So what was Shaw like? He was mad most of the time. Uh, he uh, he loved the competition, very combative, um, demanding. Um, I remember, actually, um, this probably doesn't suit the one-sentence response, but um, I remember in the reserves when I was starting out and we'd go to the rooms half-time of the seniors, and there was a tiny little coach's room at um, Carlton, um, Princess Park, and this booming voice just be coming through the door, through the walls, just berating our guys. And I thought, if that's senior footy, I'm happy in the twos. I'll start early. I'll start at 11, and then I'll have a, I'll have a, I'll have a pie in, a, in the stands, and um, I'll cheer on the seniors from there because... Um, yeah, he was certainly a pretty uh, emotional character. And, um, yeah, he was hard. Um, uh, he was old school. And the last one for me, mate, is the grateful forward in Darren Doc Wielded. Yes, um, he's a cult figure, Doc. Everyone knows Doc. Um, a great fella. Um uh, Suited that era. In fact, footy had probably moved on already in professionalism away from Doc. Um, if Doc could have turned up uh, um, maybe um, and trained just kicking goals half an hour on a Thursday night and then um, had a few beers on a pizza on Friday night and then played on Saturday and, and come back for a rehab session with more beers on Sunday, he would have been happy. That would have been ideal for Doc. But, um, you know, great talent. Super fast, great pair of hands, uh, but just a great character. Just one of those guys. Again, wouldn't be playing today. Uh, not talent-wise, but probably just um, wouldn't tick enough boxes uh, when they when 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 all the, the recruiters go through and um, look at your uh, you know your family and your background and all those sorts of things. Not casting any aspersions on Doc's family or anything, because Doc actually was a was a really good. You know, he was a really good fella, uh, but just uh, loved the uh, the fun side of things, which you could still get away with a little bit in those days. But uh, he's a great talent, Doc, and a, and a really good fella and just a great club man, just a, just a great guy to have around. And last one from me, Hawk, and I'm going to go a little differently. Usually we ask you about your teammates, but because you played on so many superstar forwards, just give me a sentence about, you spoke a bit about this fella in... Gary Ablett Senior, what was he like to play or play against? Or what was he like on the field? Uh, very quiet. I didn't didn't hear a word from him, uh, as most of them are. Uh, I, mean, I, I learned very early that I I, I might have been six foot four, but I was only about um, eighty five kilos ringing wet. So these powerhouse full forwards were just going to um, chew me up and spit me out if I tried to do anything other than um, just 
play the ball and go about my own business. So I didn't necessarily do anything to antagonise anyone or, or find out um, what sort of split personality any of these guys might have had. So there's no exception in that regard. But Gary Ablett was just a, um, just a quiet guy. Um, I, I, I think I might have tried to speak to him at one stage, being a, being a, a Geelong kid. Um, I didn't ask him for his autograph, but I might have tried to engage him in some sort of conversation, but he didn't want to do that. Uh, so, yeah, just, um, just the sort of guy who waited to um, kick a heap of goals and most of the time did that very well. Uh, I was just wrapped to be able to play against him. Um, having having bought tickets to watch him from the stands, it was good to um, stand next to him for free. <laughs> Simon, we really appreciate your time on the Sporty Hacks, giving us great insights. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and we thank you for your time and thanks for joining us. No worries, Trent. Pleasure, Jules. Pleasure. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me on. time of the podcast when we go to our clanger of the week, our choke of the week and our moral of the weekend. And Jules, all thanks to Matt McCart, who's been kind enough to uh, draw our, I guess, our uh, caricature for our um, Facebook page and Instagram page and so forth. Uh, he supports our clanger of the week. Where are you heading this week for our clanger? Yeah, thanks, Macca. And I'm going to be very, very quick, Hilly, because we've spoken about it throughout the podcast. My clang of the week goes to that umpire that missed that free kick. Um, yeah, it was there. The AFL come out and said it was there. Um, look, I'm not, I'm not saying it cost them the game. They had other chances. But at the end of the day, it was a free kick and he stuffed it up. So that's my clang of the week to that umpire. I don't know his name, but he might be in the VFL in the next few weeks. I think it was Robbie O'Gorman from memory. I think it may be number 10. From just looking at uh, the things on Twitter and so forth, I reckon it might have been Robbie O'Gorman. So, yeah, no, good call, mate. It was definitely a free kick. I'm not going to – I usually fight everything regarding Geelong. You know what I'm like, but uh, <laughs> I won't fight that one because, uh, yeah, plain and simple, should have been a free kick and wasn't paid, unfortunately, for those Lions supporters. Mate, my choke of the week, and you know, we must thank uh, Maddie Billington from Aerobic Performance Coaching. You're looking for any running program. He sets it up online and I know there's a couple of marathons uh, this year that people may look to do in Australia, especially in Victoria, the Great Ocean Road Marathon, which is in May, and also the Melbourne Marathon in October. So if you're looking at doing something like those, uh, get on to Matty Billington at Aerobic Performance Coaching to, uh, to set you up with a program. Um, he'll do a wonderful job. I've already spoken about this, uh, this site, and last week's performance against Fremantle for mine again, was the GWS. They just choked in that game. They just they purely sucked. They were terrible. Um, I just, I'm just so disappointed. Like, so disappointed in just the standard they're bringing with the quality of their playing list. Um, and I thought they just really choked on a, on a game that they, uh, they should have probably won you know, hands down with talent, and they weren't able to do so. So my choke of the league was just the performance of the DWS Giants. 
Yeah, not too bad, Hilly. Um, yeah, we won't we won't touch too much more on the Giants because we we sort of bashed the Giants, especially in season one. We sort of bashed them, and now we're back onto them. But they need a lift. So we'll move on to our moral of the week, sponsored by PLI Financial and Services. Um, if you need help there, just Google them, and Sean and Delaney will be able to help you out. But uh, well done, Hilly. Two weeks ago, you got back on the winners list with the Tigers. I picked your cats and they got belted by the Crows. So I'm having an absolute mare with my moral. But where are you going, big fella? Uh, I'm going very easy again. I'm on the Bulldogs bandwagon this weekend. They take on <laughs> North Melbourne. They will easily get the job done. I'll give a margin to give it a little bit more substance. But I'm going to go to the Bulldogs by eight goals or more. Um, I think they'll, they'll win pretty big. And this could be one just to put in the archives, mate. But I think if North Melbourne gets smashed here, their chances of playing good Friday football in 2022 uh, could be well and truly over for a little while. So they'll want to put a good performance in so they can, uh, they can stick to that time slot. But if they get pumped by the Bulldogs, I reckon it might be uh, all over Red Rover for good Friday football for the Roos for a little while. Spot on, mate. And you've taken my moral as well. I think the dogs are a dollar oh eight. They should be a dollar oh one. Like really, like North won't be able to lay a finger on them. And North do have some big injuries out too, like Robbie Tarrant and Luke McDonald and Cunnington. So they're just back this week, Tides. Okay, well, even so, they're not going to get close. So you've taken mine. So I'll go elsewhere, and I'm probably tossing up between two here. Um, and I'm going to go with St Kilda. Um, I just think Essendon are really struggling at the moment. They've got Shield, Draper and Caldwell out as well to add to the injury list. And it's just, again, the Saints have to win. If they want to make top eight, top four, they just can't be losing to the Bombers. So I think they'll find it really hard. Uh, so I'm going to moral the, the Sainers. Yeah, gee, Bombers uh, could be in for a hard year. I think Draper's a huge loss, to be honest with you. Um, I really like him. He's a little bit uncharacteristic with his kicking and so forth, but he's endeavouring the way he attacks the footy. He tries to give the midfielders first juice. I like the way he's going, Draper, but, um, geez, they're going to struggle a little bit, aren't they, the Bombers? Yeah, I mean, I could have said at the start of the episode, we spoke about a team under pressure, but they're not really. They're a pretty young list. Ben Rutten's having his first crack, so... Give them time, give them a year or so, and, and we'll judge them probably mid-next year. But uh, before wrapping up, mate, what are you looking forward to this weekend in the in the footy? Yeah, well, I'm looking forward just to Easter Monday footy, uh, the Geelong Tats and Hawks, and it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the Hawks um, welcome Isaac Smith back to the MCG in opposition colours. So always look forward to that contest. I was sort of hoping to get down there, but... I don't think my chances are all that good at the moment. Um, we'll just see what happens. Uh, so always looking forward to that. But just, I'm just looking forward to a bit of footy. Good Friday football. It's a bit of a boring day, Good Friday. So it's nice to have a little bit of footy on there and some good games all around. I'll be, the one I'm really interested in as a that's not a Geelong game is the Melbourne DWS game. Because um, Melbourne could easily be free and zip if they get the job done. And GWS really need to have a win. So it'll be interesting to see what GWS comes out. So that's the game of interest for mine this weekend. What about you, mate? Um, just yeah, just before that, I think Melbourne's got a really good draw. They could easily be six and zero or seven and zero. So um, they could have a really good start to the year. And 
I, I hope Geelong and Hawthorne are, are a good game. Probably not for yourself, Hilly, but we were talking off air that you've lost your voice from Friday night, so you probably can't go for that reason. But I hope it's a cracking game purely because of the Isaac Smith uh, uh, thing. And But I think the Cats will be too, too good. But I'm actually looking forward to, um, apart from Richmond-Sydney, hopefully I can get to that game, but uh, the West Coast-Port game over there, uh, I know West Coast have still got a few injuries and they, they got done on the weekend, but they're a different side at home with the, the big crowd over there. Porter, obviously, the, uh, one of the best teams at the moment going around, but they haven't really played anyone yet, Port. They've played Essendon, North Melbourne, and even a practice game against Adelaide. So they really haven't tested themselves yet. So I'm really looking forward to that game. Yeah, that should be a ripper as well. Um... Yeah, Porter playing some nice footy at the moment, aren't they? And I think with the Lear, Lear and Fantasia in that side, um, certainly adds to their their side they had of last year. So, where the Eagles, um, yeah, they still had a couple of injuries uh, that are from their best twenty-two. You know, Yo hasn't been playing, and so is Shuey. So, um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting contest that one, that's for sure. But I'm just looking forward to just yeah watching a, a whole weekend of footy and um, school holidays for us next week, mate. So she's happy days. Absolutely, and um, we'll get on to another big guest in a couple of weeks. And thanks, everyone, for listening and, and stick with us. And, yeah, we've hopefully got a few good ones lined up over the next month or so.